You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to another episode of the Pride of Detroit podcast, an emergency episode because we're in the middle of free agency and a lot of things are happening around the NFL. A lot of things are happening to the Detroit Lions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, we got a two-man crew rolling this time around. Uh, Ryan Matthews is with us at Ryan underscore POD. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? I am doing well, Jeremy. How are you? Good, good. Good. Um, And uh, for the first time on an official POD cast, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit, Eric Schlitt is with us at Eric Schlitt on Twitter with a K. Eric, Eric with K. Eric, how you doing, buddy? Uh, doing good, guys. Nice to see you uh, on video here. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, <laughs> let's let's waste no time. Let's get into it. We did an emergency podcast uh, earlier in the week. Since then, we have had two acquisitions for the Detroit Lions and a handful of players lost. Uh, let's start with the positive news because we had some some not so great news break literally right before we jumped on here. But let's start with the good stuff, Jamal. Williams. Now, everyone knows what I feel about acquiring running backs, so the Lions had to tread lightly here to get my stamp of approval, but they signed Jamal Williams to a six, two-year $6 million deal, up to $7.5 million with incentives. Um, if you were to look at Packers Twitter since news broke about at midnight last night, they seem to be quite devastated about the move, and that is, that's enough to make me smile. Um, but let's go to Ryan first. What were your initial thoughts on this deal when I'm assuming you woke up this morning and, and, and heard about it? Well, the, yeah. So the funny thing was, is that I woke up probably around like uh, it was like close to maybe like 10 to one last night. And the like Twitter was way more active than it normally is at that time, especially for my Twitter feed. So um, there was the Jamal Williams news and I was not really. I, I wasn't totally surprised by it, but um, I was impressed with it. I guess was my initial takeaway. Um, I'm I'm a fan of Jamal Williams uh, in terms of the dynamic he's going to add to the Lions' backfield. I, I, I you know, I, I say I wasn't surprised by it pretty much because of our discussion that we had with Deuce Staley and the vote of confidence that he gave in Carry On Johnson. However, you know, I always talk about it on the podcast. The greatest ability is what Jeremy. Your availability. That's right. And, you know, while Carrion Johnson did play in all 16 games last year, um, it's the first time that he did it. So, uh, you know, having an insurance an insurance policy like Jamal Williams, I think, um, and I think he's going to be more than an insurance policy. I think that a couple of things, right? Um, and I'll kick this over to Eric. But one, it's definitely not going to take any of the food off of DeAndre Swiss' plate. Like that guy's still going to eat. So Lions fans, rest assured, Jamal Williams does not eat into uh, DeAndre Swift's workload. Um, but what he does is he he's the kind of back that Deuce Staley covets, right, Eric? Yeah, absolutely. He he wants a uh, running back who's versatile. He wants a running back who can pass protect, and uh, Jamal Williams can do both of those things. And then to 
you know, even extrapolate what his value is beyond that. You look at the fact that he's a power runner, which is something that they're missing. He's still young. And so uh, there's an there's an opportunity for him still to develop. And so there's a lot to like about him. You know, he, you can use him in short yardage situations. You can use him as uh, as a spell for Swift. You can use him as a starter if, if Swift goes down, because it's, it's not just carry on that that's found himself injured. It's Swift as well. And and he's shown that he's capable of being a starter it, when, with the Packers. He played 60 games with the Packers and 20 of them. He was required to be the starter in that, in those games. Um, I believe the last time or the time before that even the lions played him, he was the starter. Um, I forget which one it was, but it was recently. And so he's not super explosive, right? Uh, or he is, he's explosive. He's not super agile. Right. And so the the agility, you're going to look to the other two, but he is patient and uh, that patience creates a lot of opportunities for him. And so, yeah, I do agree. I think he's going to slot in probably at number two. Um, carry on. I think one of the reasons he was probably healthy last year was because uh, he was on a shorter snap count. And uh, if we're, if we're being honest here. And so, I, I mean, I, I'm like carry on and, and what he did as a rookie and what we saw in camp as a rookie was fantastic. But since his injuries, it, it seems to have taken a toll on him a little bit. Maybe he'll bounce back. Uh, the opportunity will be there. But for now, you have to think that the pecking order is, is Swift Williams and then Johnson will be third. Yeah. And the reason I, I love the signing, besides the fact that it, it's fairly cheap, you know, um, the, the official contract isn't out there yet, but someone threw out there, I think it was Jamal Williams, uh, social media manager throughout um, some well, unofficial yeah, cap yeah. hits, which is uh, 1.6 million this year, 4.3 million next year. And if that's true, like that's, that's a fantastic deal for the Lions. Um, but the, the other reason I love it is that this has been a hole on the Lions roster for years. They, they, they've been, kind of rotating through RB1 as they draft guys, but they've been replaced, you know, that RB2 spot has been filled with these 30 plus year old guys on the tail end of their career. They finally got a guy who's 25 productive in the RB2 role for years and years and years and, and, and versatile. He can, he can catch the ball. I know he's kind of thought as like a big bruising back, but he can catch the ball too. And, and like you said, pass protect, all that sort of stuff. He could potentially be that three down back if the Lions need it, if DeAndre Swift suffers that injury. So I, I'm hard to please when it comes to spending money on, on a running back, but I think the Lions did just about as well as they could have done. And Eric, this is a guy that you and I kind of had circled at the beginning of free agency. Yeah, he was in our breakdown, right? Yeah. When we did the uh, players to watch, he was in yeah. that. He was in that mix. Uh, maybe he, I don't. He was in at least one of them. I know we did a couple of them. It's it's all starting to blend together at this right. point, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he was one of three that we identified, and so um, yeah, he was on our short list for sure because of all the things that we just addressed, you know, he's one of the better pass blocking running backs in the league. And that's a major staple for Staley. And now, um, I mean, I, I know Swift kind of dropped a little bit, but at one point carry on was number one. Swift was number five in pass blocking. I think when they finished the season, they were a little bit lower, but I believe um, of running backs who like were in, like that's all like 25% of their snap of, of offensive snaps. I think he was like eight or something like he was, he's, he's up there. I mean, you're looking at three guys who all live near the top of that. And that's going to be uh, pretty important, especially when you have a quarterback that needs pass protection in order to be successful. Well, let's move on to the move that happened literally minutes after, as I think we had already crossed over midnight, uh, the lion's, 
uh, agreed to a trade uh, for defensive tackle Michael Brockers from the Rams. We learned today that the compensation that they had to pay was a 2023 seventh round pick, also known as nothing, uh, <laughs> basically free. Uh, obviously, the the cost here and the reason he became free is because it was a salary cap dump for the Rams. He was going to cost them over $9 million in cap space. Um, th- I think the one drawback that people saw in this trade was that the Lions were then going to take on a pretty big cap hit, um, upwards of, I think, $8.5 million. But news dropped today from Dave Burkett that he is going to be getting a whole new deal, of which we don't have the details yet, but you have to imagine, given how tight the cap is this year, that it'll probably cut into that $8.5 million in 2021 and, and you know be a little heavier down the line. So with all that in mind, I'm going to go right back to you, Ryan. Thoughts on the Michael Brockers trade? Yeah, as if I as if I wasn't impressed enough with um, as I'm as I'm scrolling through and seeing the Jamal Williams news, the Michael Brockers trade seems like a a huge windfall for the Lions. Um, for a line that has just absolutely been starved for healthy, productive bodies for so many years, it's nice that the Lions are getting somebody who's been pretty steady. You know, um, he he's he's dealt with some injuries, but I think what the Lions are getting is a a very stout run defender. Now he he provides some some pass rush ability for sure. But one of the stats that I want to point to is um, from Pro Football Focus. Um, in in 2019, he posted the fifth highest run stop percentage among uh, defensive interiors, and that was on minimum of 250 plays, and earned the seventh highest rush defense grade among defensive interior players. So I mean, I you know I, I talked about it a little bit on the. Um, the last podcast we did, but I think that when it comes to this defensive line, I think it's really going to be about gap control and it's going to be about making sure they stop the run. I, th- I think that's what the saints do really well. I think that's what the, I think that's what the lions are going to aim to do. Um, and you know, the, the Brockers trade, you know, hold this in comparison to a trade that obviously I, I shouldn't say like a reeked of desperation, but like, the Everson Griffin trade was a conditional six round pick that could have turned into a fifth round pick, depending on the conditions you get Michael Brockers for a seventh round pick. I, I think this is a, I think this is a home run, Eric. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, I think this is an easy no brainer. You're trading away a, a few, two years into the future, seventh rounder for a starter, you know, like this is a, a weak, defensive tackle free agency class it's a weak uh, defensive tackle draft class and mm-hmm. finding a guy uh in this draft class that's going to be able to come in and and and, and start and maybe and play better than brockers has i don't know if that player is available in this draft class now you can argue maybe a couple of guys at the top but you're going to spend a lot more uh and capital trying to get one of those guys as opposed to getting brockers now He's he is 30. He just turned 30. So that's a bit of a downfall. And that's one of the reasons, I guess, why he's a little bit cheaper. But um, defensive tackles, they typically have a little bit longer of a shelf life, you know. And so I don't think you're tied to much of his contract beyond this year, even in a restructure right now. um, Right now, he's set to make eight million. And in the in five days that uh, the six and a half million base is going to become fully guaranteed. So. I don't know if that matters from a timing standpoint, if, if they can wait for that to become guaranteed and then re- renegotiate it does. I don't think it really matters uh, from a line standpoint, but they're probably going to convert a lot of that down to get, like Jeremy said, to get a lower number. 
and they'll push some into the future. But the, the, the nice thing is, is that's really all of the guaranteed money that they're working with. They have the opportunity. To, uh, they have a 2019 option right now. That'll probably become uh, a guaranteed year. He's only got a little bit of money guaranteed in that as long as he's on the roster. So, again, it's not that big of a deal to, to bring him in, give him, him, him an extension and lower the number down. Now, from a, an impact on the field, again, this is, this is a massive trade you're you're acquiring a guy who's going to start for you okay and the way that i envision this defensive line lining up is i'm i'm kind of projecting them to be similar to the rams and by acquiring him it it kind of reinforces that to me that i think he's going to continue to play that kind of four eye technique which is right on the inside shoulder of the of the offensive tackle and then He'll have a nose tackle, and then there'll be another guy on the uh, opposite side, which in with the Rams was Aaron Donald. I think with the Lions, that's going to be more like where Trey Flowers plays, kind of in that three to five area. You can also kick him out wider if you need to. Uh, they want to be flexible. Romeo Walker, I talked about that today. They want to be flexible in, in how they approach things. So I do think you're going to see some four three concepts. I think you're going to see some three three concepts concepts. So. There's a lot of value to like in, in, in a guy like Brockers because he can do that. Now, when you go, I, I want to add one more PFF stat because Ryan, you went to PFF. I, I, I found a good PFF stat too. He had 30 pressures last year. Okay. Okay. Danny Shelton, Nick Williams, Deshaun Hand combined 30 pressures last year. Okay. <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> for last year, but also uh, a step in the right direction for, for uh, Brockers this year. Now, the last thing I just want to add is he's also a, a high character guy who's a leader. He's been a captain for the past three seasons. He's going to be familiar with um, understanding how the Rams front operates. So when they're in, in that concept, he's going to be able to lead that group. He's going to be able to point, train. And as a, as a nine-year veteran, he has that experience, uh, you know, being that in a, in a leadership role. So there's a lot to like. Uh, in the locker room as well. So there, there's so much to like about bringing a guy like him in because he's going to impact so many different areas of what the Lions want to do. Yeah, and I was just going to touch on that last point too. On a defense that, that's really trying to uh, establish a culture here, bringing in a guy like Michael Brockers is a great guy. I mean, he could step in and literally be a captain right away of this defense and and, to, and basically tell everyone what they what they have to do, whether it's John Penasini, a second year guy, whether it's Deshaun Hand, I think a guy who could learn a lot from uh, someone like him or, or, you know, anyone they end up drafting. Um, you know, Eric, you, you put an article out an article today that actually, you know, listed where you think a lot of these new guys are going to play Julian O'Quar included. And you look at the defensive front and it's just like, that's not horrible. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're relying, you're relying on John Penasini to start, which is not ideal. I mean, a, a second, year sixth round pick but everywhere else like if they and 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 you always have to play the if game a little bit and and get a little lucky if they stay healthy Lions might have an okay defensive front and I feel like we've said that probably for the past three or four years um but you know with the with a new defensive coaching staff I think there's at least a little bit of room for optimism there you know what I think is what's deceptive is there's depth. There's more depth than I think we thought. Right. And, and it's not necessarily that this is like at a talent level as some of the defensive lines we've seen in the past, but a guy like Nick Williams can play more than one spot on this defensive line. Deshaun hand absolutely can play more than one spot on this defensive line. And then you look behind him, Cornell, um, the rookie from last year who we didn't even get to see because he, he hurt his, his knee in, in the uh, first game practice of training camp last year. 
he was a defensive end that pushed inside. So again, he has that familiarity where he can play anywhere from the three to the five comfortably. And then Kevin uh, Strong, beyond him as well, is a natural three technique, played three technique every down in college. And then in Detroit, they asked him to do more two gapping, which was completely new to him. Right. And he saw some struggling, but they kept him because his first step is lethal. He has a terrific first step. And so they kept him around because of that. This if this penetrating system that we that we are anticipating is going to be more beneficial to Kevin Strong as well. So it's it, it's almost like, you know, you know, we, they talked about the fact that a lot of these guys were misplaced and didn't know how to fit into the defense last year. I think that we when we think about hearing that when we heard that from Campbell, we thought, OK, these are like the secondary guys in the linebacker. I, I think it's a defensive line as well. There was a lot of guys that were playing in roles that weren't natural to them. All right, we're going to take a quick break here. Uh, with the yin comes the yang, and there was some also some sad news that came out of uh, Lions free agency. The Lions lost a few fan favorites, including, I would argue, one of the best players of the Detroit Lions for the past six and a half years. So we're going to get into that when we come back on this emergency Detroit Lions Pride of Detroit podcast. And we are back on the Pride of Detroit emergency podcast, day three of free agency or day one, depending on which one you count. Uh, the the free uh, the, the legal tampering period is over. We are officially into the new 2020 league year. Um, we just about, we just talked about the additions of Jamal uh, Williams and Michael Brockers. Now let's get to some of the players that we are saying bon voyage to, including Matt Prater, who right before we jumped on this call agreed to a two-year deal, signed a two-year deal. It is a done deal. We are we are now signing contracts. So he signed a two-year deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, full contract details aren't out there yet, but a 7.5 million base is what we're hearing, which I believe is over the two years. So we're talking three and a half million a year. Guys, um, we I, I've had this discussion with both of you, and I think the conclusion we all came to was just like, yeah, it probably doesn't make a ton of sense to spend three, four, five million on a on a good kicker, considering where this franchise is at. But get it done anyways, because I don't <laughs> want to worry about kickers. And the Lions didn't get it done, so uh, I mean, let let's just go gut reactions here before we start talking about who who's next. Ryan, are are are, are you bumming today? Uh. I wouldn't say that I'm bumming. I'm kind of in awe of how the Arizona Cardinals are putting together an all 2010 team with uh, <laughs> JJ Watt and AJ Green and now Matt Prater. But um, <laughs> it's, um, you know, like you said, Jeremy, we talked about it on the last podcast, having the kicker situation nailed down and not having to worry about it. You know, Prater's struggles aside from last season, whether or not he can return to form, I guess we'll be seen in, in the desert this year, but I think for all the kickalicious that we had to go through as lion fans, <laughs> it, it, it was nice to have a guy like Matt Prater who was way more on than off. And, you know, you don't have to look far in the division to see where kicking goes just absolutely awry. You know, the Vikings have dealt with it. The bears made Cairo Santos, the highest paid kicker in the NFL, <laughs> 
I mean, there's just absolute lunacy that happens out there. So it was nice to have somebody like Prater. And, you know, the point could be made that it wasn't an expensive thing to do for a team that's in the middle of a rebuild and maybe kicking won't be so super important this year. But it's going to be important eventually. And kickers have, you know, Eric mentioned how defensive tackles have a shelf life. Kickers have a pretty long shelf life, too. So it wasn't like you had to think so short sighted with Matt Prater. But I'm not bumming. I'm just disappointed. (laughs) The most dad response I've ever heard from you. (laughs) Well, I'm bumming. Look, look, from Eddie Murray to Jason Hansen to... The kicker that that you couldn't remember, Nate Freeze, to <laughs> um, to, to Hanson, uh, it's been a pretty established kicking uh, room for the Lions for a long time. I mean, the Nate Freeze disaster was uh, it was awful, and for those of you who remember it, it, it I you don't want to relive through that. So, um, I mean, we've been spoiled, right? We've been spoiled. We're still spoiled with Jack Fox, which is nice, um, but spoiled with kicking and punting. <laughs> <laughs> the Detroit Lions franchise and, is awesome and long snapping. Yeah. Let's not let's not throw Don out out of the yeah, the true. discussion. Um, but I, jeez, oh, I don't know. I, I I just I assumed it was going to be a resign, so much so that I really haven't looked beyond a couple of guys who had connections and forgot that we had a guy even on the roster. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And let's, let's, I guess, talk about that because yeah, I'm, I'm bumming with you guys. I, I think, I don't know. It, it's, it was just nice to have something to not worry about when you're talking about the Detroit lions. It was nice. It, even if, you know, the reign of amazing potential hall of fame players was at specialists, like at least we had that um, <laughs> because it was the one thing we could, we could Lord over the Vikings and Lord over the, the bears. Now, now we don't really get that. So um, yeah, the, the one guy that the Lions do have on the roster is a guy called Matthew Wright. And if you don't know anything about him, um, I don't blame you. He went undrafted in, in 2019 out of UCF. Um, the Lions acquired him in the offseason, I believe. Was, is he a future deal guy? I think he yeah. is. Um, yeah. But he spent 2020 as, uh, as a backup to the Steelers, actually got in uh, a little bit of playing time there, went four for four on field goals. Congratulations, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I guess he was also the, the all-time scorer at UCF. Uh, we, I mean, I can't say I know a ton about the guy. He was, I think he's had a 75% completion rate at, at UCF, which was actually the, the exact same uh, accuracy level of, of Matt Prater last year during his down year. Um, so not a ton to be excited about there, but I mean, a rebuilding year, the guy has a cap at less than a million dollars. I guess there's no no problem in just trying him out for a year and see what happens. I mean, it worked, it worked at punter last year. So maybe the lines find something at kicker this year. Yeah. I think the thing that we have to remember is that uh, special teams coordinator, uh, Dave Phipp has taken an unknown rookie and turned him into a superstar uh, in the past. So uh, you never know. It did happen at, at punter. So maybe, maybe we can see lightning strike twice uh, in the Lions kicking uh, room. Ryan, you you seen any any sense of optimism for for the kicker? Or are we headed are we heading towards a nightmare scenario of potentially drafting a kicker? Oh God! <laughs> okay, that can't happen. But <laughs> what what I do want to say is I have no idea who Matthew Wright is. That's so fair. I mean, yeah. we got we got to get Hamza on here to to give us some some kicking tips. I know he's he's mostly a punter, but 
Hamsa could be a cheap option for the Lions. That's true. <laughs> Doesn't he only punt, though? I thought Hamza was a punter. Move, move, move Jack Fox over to place kicker. I don't know. Just, <laughs> just get wild with it. It's, a, it's so, the 2021 Detroit Lions. Let's get nuts. So I did want to mention the the rookie kicker that FIP did turn into a, uh, a brief superstar uh, was Cody Parkey. And Cody Parkey was kicked a, a, a very important field goal that helped them uh, secure their Super Bowl. Uh, and he was a big deal for a couple of years. And then he kind of fell off the cliff. Uh, but he's a free agent this year, too. So it's possible, like, maybe they bring him in to compete with Wright and uh, and see and hopefully maybe a third. Um, but, yeah, it's not it looks pretty uncomfortable right now. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to, to some of the other guys that, that are, will be playing elsewhere in, in 2021. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. Signs with the Jaguars to, to reunite with Jamal Agnew and Daryl Bevel two years, 12 and a half million on that deal, 9 million guaranteed. So probably going to stick around for both of those years and, and a good chunk of change for a 30 year old receiver. And then Justin Coleman signs a one year deal for 2.75 million with the Dolphins, a significant uh, decrease in salary there. I think he was due to make a, upwards of nine million uh, for his base salary here before he was cut. Um, I, I don't know if there's really much to say about either of those guys. Uh, I mean, I feel I'm, I'm glad those guys caught on, but clearly the lines weren't going to pay Marvin Jones that much. Justin Coleman. I mean, I think that shows his value, right? Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's a prove it year for him. Um, another prove it deal, and I think we're going to see a lot of those with with some of these Lions players um, after what happened under Matt Patricia where these guys came in with all these high accolades. Justin Coleman was the highest paid nickel corner when he came into Detroit and was looking like he was playing like it. And then two years go by and you know, now he's making less than 3 million a year. So uh, rough sledding for those guys. Any, any comments about those guys that, that, uh, that you were any like surprises about any of those deals? Or is that just like, you know, that's, that's about what I was expecting for those guys. With the Jamal Agnew deal, I was pretty surprised at the price tag. Um, sure. You know, three years up to $21 million for a guy who has really kind of maxed out as like a specialist up to this point in his NFL career. So that that contract seems to suggest that they're expecting something more out of him, and, and maybe they will. But the the more surprising move was Marvin Jones. I thought that he was destined to become a Los Angeles Ram. It <laughs> seemed like it made so much sense. Yeah. But, uh, you know, with with their own cap situation and, and what they have going on over there, it, it just obviously didn't seem to work. And all of a sudden, Trevor Lawrence has like a bunch of weapons around him. LaVisca Chenault, DJ Shark, Marvin Jones, James Robinson. There's an awful lot of talent that you're putting around a, a quarterback that's supposed to be ready on on day one right out of the package. So that's um, I don't know. Look out. Jaguars catch the fever. <laughs> Duval. I, I think the uh, the Agnew one is the one that surprised me the most as well because um, the what we heard behind the scenes here was that, or I think Burkett even said it um, on Twitter that the Lions were looking at Agnew as a potential fifth year option guy, where they uh, offer him a similar contract that they offered Jalen Reeves Maven, and so that Jalen Reeves Maven contract uh, it totals just like two point three million, but it only costs. Uh, like just over 1 million against the cap and, and Agnew was eligible for that. And I think they, that's, they offered him a similar deal. So they were looking at like a $2 million contract for Agnew 
And then he gets one that averages, well, I mean, I don't even, what do you remember what his contract totaled out at, but it was like seven, right? Or something like that. It, it looked like seven, but it was up to 21 million. I think it ended okay. up being more around like five and a half, six a year. Okay. But still, so he, still, he, still a lot. significant almost, increase. Yeah. yeah. It still almost triples what the Lions were <clears throat> expecting of him. And, and I think when we look at like what uh, Justin Coleman was valued at, and then what he got on the market and then what the lions valued Agnew at and then what he got on the market. I think it shows that the lions are trying to give players cheaper contracts, uh, trying to get better value out of them. And they're not trying to overspend, which was a key criticism of Quinn with almost every one of like, he would, he would sign yeah. three free agents in the first two days. Right. And those, would, yep. those guys would always be overpaid. Right. Vitae, James, like it just keeps going. It, it flowers, cold, even, right. Yeah. Yep. Um, you could argue flowers, even though yeah. I, I will argue <laughs> with that with you. Uh, but um, yes. And, and I, this is a different approach. Like they're saying, this is what we think you're at. You're going to get triple that somewhere else. Well, all right, we'll, we'll send you a nice thank you on Twitter. And, and to get a nice sixth round compensatory pick in, yeah. in the process, probably. And maybe um, even for Matt Prater, too. Yeah. I mean, certainly in line, if, if the, the initial numbers are accurate, the lines should get should be in line. I should say not necessarily get depends on what the lines do over the next few days. Yeah. And remember, they, there's only four max yeah. that they can get. Right. So um, but right now they're losing more than they're gain, than they're adding. So <clears throat> step in the right yeah. direction. Uh, and one more guy that, that I want to talk about that the Lions are losing, they cut Danny Shelton in a move that saves $4 million. Um, and it appears they're keeping Nick Williams, which I think is a reversal of what most people thought was going to happen. A lot of people thought they would cut Nick Williams as a guy uh, who saves them a little bit more money. Definitely not as, you know, purely talented, I would say, as Danny Shelton. But uh, Nick Williams tweets out, let's see how these kneecaps taste this year. So that certainly seems to indicate that he is in with Dan Campbell, must have had some sort of conversation with him or something uh, that that told him he was staying. Um, I think we probably have to tie this back in, in with the Michael Brockers uh, conversation because I, I don't think the two are, are mutually exclusive here. I think if you cut Danny Shelton, you spend some of that $4 million on a guy like Michael Brockers. A- am I right in assuming those transactions are, are related in some sort of way or yeah look you cut sheldon then then williams tweets that out and then like six or eight hours later you've traded for brockers like these are all connected absolutely yeah. right like and i i think with the nose tag I, one i think they need to free room up for for brockers and they had to debate between which of the two they wanted and then and they opted for williams now maybe it's because they don't value the nose as highly as they value like a guy who can play the, th- the three through the five um, in the Rams scheme, they use the nose about 60% of the time and they split that between two guys. One guy plays like 40%, one guy plays like 20%. So you, you need, uh, you need some guys that can rotate to stay fresh, but you don't, it's, it's not as vital of a position. And a lot of times the nose tackle will jet and then you bring on an, an athlete off the ball, uh, you know, so that you can utilize. So from a schematic standpoint, Again, from where Brad Holmes is coming from, a guy like Nick Williams uh, could potentially play more than um, than a guy like Danny Shelton. And so, you know, it maybe it just came down to money. Maybe it came down to preference. It's hard to tell. But, yeah, I absolutely agree that all of these defensive tackle things all happened in succession because of, uh, you know, as part of a strategy. 
All right, let's move on to the last news of the day that's relevant to the Lions, and that is of Mr. Kenny Galladay, who remains as of uh, what is it, Wednesday night, uh, unsigned, but we finally heard at least a little movement here. Um, it appears he's got a deal on the table from the Bengals. What's interesting about it is that it's a one-year prove-it deal, which is not obviously what he's seeking. The other news is that he is going to visit the New York Giants sometimes this week this week to to see what's going on there, which is interesting because it's been a while since we've heard about free agency visits. It wasn't allowed last year, uh, and now it is, and I think we've forgotten that that's part of the process sometimes. Um, but I, I think one thing is clear here is that the, the market there is just not – what it what Kenny Galladay wants it to be and you look down the pike of of other deals literally as we're recording this um it looks like Curtis Samuel is getting three years 34 and a half million with the Washington football team um you know that 11 million rate we've seen a couple other ones right in that that rank from 11 to 13 million we know Galladay wants 18 19 million I think it's pretty clear at this point he's not going to get that. Um, but are you guys surprised at all by just just how bad this market is for Kenny Galladay? I'm not shocked. I'm not shocked from the standpoint that there are much cheaper, younger, potentially better alternatives that are available in the draft. And it seems like it's a really deep draft class when it comes to to, to wide receivers. And it it, it um, I'm not sure how it's going to you know, rank up and compare with the class from last season, because I think that's that that, that might end up being like an all timer. But um, this one is, sh- is certainly shaping up to be very good. Uh, the other thing that I, I found was really interesting from Malik Wright was that Galladay was the one who approached the Bengals about the one year offer Ooh, because of the market. Interesting. Yeah. So so um, the idea is that it, it, it's not it, it's not the other way around with the Giants. They're offering multiple years, which is why it's a waiting game. Right. So when when you have that now, it's really interesting for Kenny Galladay because what we've been on the podcast talking about is this is a guy who's going to turn 28 this season. If he ends up signing a one year deal, one year deal with the Bengals. Well, I mean, what if he gets hurt now? All of a sudden he's 29 and he's trying to recoup that 18 to 19 million dollar contract that he was you know originally offered for the lions he might be might be really feeling the i mean he's obviously feeling the effects of it during this free agency period but um hopefully things work out the best for him it it clearly seems like he's no longer in in the cards for the detroit lions that's for sure i agree with that and i and i do think the injury history is, is part of the the issue that's slowing things up uh the giants want to bring him in before they're willing to offer him a contract and i think that's because if they're going to offer him a multi-year deal they want to know what his injury history is right yeah they want to get a full checkup on him so um it, even on, on, on a one-year deal is not going to appeal to the lions especially at the price tag that he's going to command and yeah maybe it's going to be less but um yeah it's a, it's, it's a tough spot and, and you know, he's a unique uh, type of receiver, right? You have to have a big arm QB that can that can get him the ball and let him win. And if your quarterback can't get the ball to him, he's not as valuable to you. And so that kind of, that's going to limit his uh, his opportunities. And I am surprised it's only two teams talking to him right now. Uh, maybe there's more that we just you know haven't le- that haven't been leaked. But um, yeah, there was so much hype around him. 
to have his, this market be awfully quiet is, is a bit surprising. I think yeah. that there there was just like a lot of hype with all the potential free agent wide receivers, right? Like, and then all of a sudden, Allen Robinson gets tagged, Chris Godwin gets tagged, and then everybody else is kind of looking around, like, okay, well, I mean, there might still be a market for you know the Juju and and Kenny Galladay, and but it's it's interesting now with like guys like Curtis Samuel signing deals before guys like you know Kenny Galladay and Juju Smith that were perceived to be at the top of the market. And it makes you wonder if those franchise guys, if those teams are regretting applying the franchise tags on those guys, because now you're paying. Again, this right. is another conversation where we're talking about overpaying and the Bears are involved in it. <laughs> <laughs> and that, well, that's the wild thing, though, like with all those guys getting franchised, you would have thought it may have driven up the price because, I mean, Galladay appeared to be in a class on his own in this free agency class at wide receiver. And I mean, some of the I don't know, the hindsight or the. The, I don't just like the reimagining of who Kenny Galladay is, is, is shocking to me because I mean, Ryan, we were talking about him being a top 10 receiver at the beginning of, of last year. And mm-hmm. now I'm hearing people saying he's not even a true number one. He's a, he's a number two receiver. He should get paid like a number two receiver. This is why I'm like, where is this coming from? Like, have, have you missed out? I'm like, Oh, he can't separate. Like, okay. Everyone loves the next gen stat that he can't separate, but forget that every, everything else that he does that, that is game changing. I mean, go back to some of the games last year. I know he only played five of them, but he made huge impacts on at least three of them. Two, two things. One, it's the, <laughs> it's the um, Janet Jackson effect. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to Kenny Galladay, Lions fans, it, they're pretty far removed from that Jacksonville game, you know, where he's tweeting, you know, money bag emojis. <laughs> but the other thing that, and I, I make this cross sport analogy because it was, and, and I'm not suggesting that Kenny Galladay is in the same stratosphere as like LeBron James when it comes to their respective sports, but like everybody hammered on LeBron James for like, Oh, he doesn't have a jump shot. He can only get to the basket. Okay, well, like being near the baskets, one of the easiest ways to score. And it's 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 relying on his athleticism to get it done. Yeah. Kenny Galladay wins at the point of attack, like going and getting the ball. He's really, really good at it. It's not a fluke. Like he's done it year and year and year. So like I'm I yeah, the, the revisionist history that's happening with Kenny Galladay is bad, bad, bad. Yeah, it, it's recency bias, right? It's yeah. it's like you said with Janet Jackson, it's what have you done? Mm-hmm. And and he's getting the cold shoulder right now. And because of that, uh, people are starting to assume that uh, that cold shoulder equals he's not good. And and I think that's a, that's just a false prophecy there. Mm. I, by the way, the fact that we got Eric Schlitt to say Janet Jackson in his first podcast appearance <laughs> that I mean, that is an all-time podcast. I, I can't imagine you've ever gone on a radio or, or your own podcast and said that. Just two words. <laughs> I, I don't talk much music at all. So yeah. 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 All now, right. Now, now everybody's just hoping for a nipple slip. Eric. <laughs> okay, all right. All right. Now we're definitely going to close it out. Uh, thank you for joining us for this emergency podcast. We'll be covering more free agency throughout the week. We'll be doing a locker room session, hopefully sometime this weekend. If you don't have the locker room app, go get it. If you have an iOS device, We'll be there uh, chatting about all the latest news. Obviously, there's some stuff still coming down the pike. Literally, while we recorded this podcast, the Lions made it official uh, in terms of the Michael Brockers trade. We're going to have the Matthew Stafford stuff be official on Friday. So uh, stick with us for all of that. But for now, thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. (laughs) 